What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off the Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Farbud Nevi is the co-founder and CEO of CoinMine. In this conversation, we discuss cryptocurrency mining, privacy, freedom, building consumer products, and why the team built a new feature called Bitcoin Mode. I really enjoyed this conversation. It appears lots of people had fun on the live stream, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Before we kick off this podcast, first a word from our sponsor, BlockFi. As many of you know, crypto investors store their digital assets on exchanges or in cold storage for long-term safekeeping. However, this strategy doesn't help them grow their investment holdings or build overall wealth. With the new BlockFi interest account, users can now securely store their Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. 6% is an absurdly high rate. It's the best rate in the industry. I highly suggest you go check out BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, that's BlockFi.com slash POMP to sign up and start earning crypto today. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Bang, bang. All right, guys, I'm here. I've got Farb with me. We got a ton to go over. We're going to talk about CoinMine. Uh, he's got some announcements to make. And uh, we've also got the live stream going with people tuned in from uh, what looks like all over the world. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. Thank you for coming and uh, doing this. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Background. Who the hell are you? That's a good question. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> uh, so uh, founder, CEO of CoinMine these days. Uh, we started CoinMine a little over a year ago. Uh, actually, you were one of the very first checks uh, I- into CoinMine. I don't know why, but I believe. We're still trying to figure out. Uh, in fact, uh, buddy of ours, Brian Nordgaard, puts it the right way. He's, uh, he's all about pre-cap table investing. <laughs> so cutting an entrepreneur's checks before there's even a cap table. And, and, and that was actually you. I think you were one of the first two or three checks into the company. So uh, we started CoinMine last year. Uh, we've got it. We've got it hiding over here. We have. For those who are just listening, we've got a coin mine sitting here that I actually have in the office mining every day. Right now it's mining grin, but in a a few minutes here, it may be mining something else. So basically, CoinMine, you know, looks like an Xbox. It's a plug-in crypto device. Uh, It'll mine. It'll uh, be a Bitcoin lightning node soon here. We've got some cool things we're announcing today uh, that'll tell you even more about what it does. So when... We first talked, and you said that you were going to go build this. I think the exact pitch was uh, it is a consumer-focused miner yep. that you pull out of the box, you plug in the wall, Yep. it looks pretty, Thanks. it's nearly uh, silent, yeah. and it pulls less power than a PlayStation from the wall. Yeah. And Here you go. I said, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. <laughs> that, 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 was a year ago, that was a year ago, and right now it's sitting in, sitting in your office. And, and so let, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the product first, and yeah. then we'll talk about kind of what some of the implications are uh, for the world, because I think that's some of the stuff that I got really excited about. Um, 
what's inside the box, right? So the box looks uh, pretty clean um, and you can stick it, literally I've had it in my kitchen for a couple of days, yeah. right, before I brought it to the office. Um, but what's inside of it from a, from a technical standpoint? Uh, insides are, it's basically like a really GPU intensive desktop computer. Okay. Right? Uh, it's kind of like a PlayStation. Yep. Or an Xbox. They're, they're basic on the sort of generalized computer side, but they have like a hardcore GPU in them. Yep. Uh, so that's what our device does. Uh, and since it's like that, and since we built the operating system ourselves, it's called MineOS, um, we can do anything we want with the device. Yep. Uh, so it can be a Bitcoin Lightning node, it can simultaneously mine Ethereum. Uh, it can be a couple of other things that I'll, that I'll share uh, a little bit later in the show. Uh, so it's basically a computer that we can do anything with. So I'm pulling up right now as well the uh, yeah. mobile app that comes with it because part of this is so when I when I got the coin mine I pulled it out of the box. The box is awesome. Uh, we'll, we'll get the box in here because um, it's pretty cool in terms of a design perspective. Um, but this uh, mobile app is super slick. It's really really simple to. Uh, and, and it may be hard for people at home to, uh, to see, but essentially the video. mobile app allows you to see what you've mined uh, and what you're currently mining, right? So like how much you've mined, it, um, it denominates everything in Satoshis, which I love. Uh, and then it allows you to switch back and forth. And today uh, you can mine Ethereum, Monero, Zcash, or Grin, all using the same device, uh, switch back and forth. But let's just get the announcement out of the way. Yeah, um, should we do you, it? You have shipped these all over the world. You've been able to uh, allow individuals to mine from their home very quickly uh, four separate cryptocurrencies. But today we are announcing a fifth cryptocurrency, which is... Well, you know, we keep our communication lines pretty open with our customers, right? So you can DM us, you can tweet us, you can chat with us on our website, you can email us. Tom will probably share my phone number after this, <laughs> after this, and people will start calling me. Uh, and we hear one request over and over and over again. It's our, it's our number one request. And, and in fact, we might as well bring that box out because it, it's, it's plastered all over the front of the box. Uh, so today we're announcing the launch of Bitcoin on CoinMine. So, and in fact, you're going to be the one with, to do it. All right. So a couple of things here real quick. One is... The box that the coin mine comes in, for those that do not have one yet, and you should go get one, which is, where can they go get them? Uh, Coinmine.com, uh, and uh, because of this launch, we're actually, uh, we cut the price by 100 bucks for the weekend. Oh, nice. All right, so you can actually go buy one for $100 off, and what the box is on the front, uh, it's, it's really, really pretty, but in gold letters, it says... <laughs> <laughs> I just dropped the uh, the live stream uh, video. This may be the most uh, fun that we have. All right, so what it says is the Times, 03 January 2009, Chancellor on the Brink of Second Bailouts for Banks, which I think that everyone who is in the crypto or Bitcoin community knows uh, is the message um, uh, originally with the uh, Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, and it really just speaks to wh why are we all here, right? Um, and, and so... As part of that, um, what the coin mine now can do is not only mine Ethereum, Zcash, Grin, um, and Monero, but it can mine Bitcoin, right? It's not actually going to technically mine Bitcoin. It's going to make you Bitcoin. Explain and, how it works. Yeah, I will. And this is actually, I don't think I ever told you this story, but this is you. You're the one that gave me the idea. Uh, so... I 
Right now, this probably thing, one of my ridiculous tweets. <laughs> this thing, this is actually you. You said this when the first time we met in LA at the whatever LA conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so this thing will make you about twenty bucks a month of Bitcoin right now, uh, and the way it does that is by algorithmically mining whatever protocol converts to Bitcoin at the best rate. It auto converts it and just gives you Bitcoin in your wallet for you. So. The reason I say it came from you is because something you say over and over again is that crypto and Bitcoin and all this stuff is essentially just the automation of the financial world. Yep, absolutely. And I, when you said that at the conference in my head, I was like, if everything's just automated and it's all programmatic, we can just do everything in the background. So as a person, you open the app, you tap on Bitcoin. In fact, we should probably launch it here. Uh, all right. So as uh, as we're on the podcast live, uh, I am about to message in the company Slack to. Can we talk about who, yeah. uh, who's on the other end? Yeah, of this? we can. And you might, if you want to, if you want to follow along, you can actually just download the CoinMine app. Uh, on iOS or Android, uh, and in a second here, you're going to see a BTC wallet appear there. Uh, it's not there this second, but Palm's going to make it happen. And we have the uh, we have the button presser of button pressers. Our <laughs> our very first engineer actually uh, is a Navy guy. Uh, he used to sit on uh, you know aircraft carriers, uh, and one of his jobs was, and they literally called them this, the button presser. Okay, and what and what was he doing on the aircraft carrier? Well. Just in case someone tells him to, he has to press a button that launches a nuclear <laughs> missile into the air. Uh, Crazy. Job he's never had to do once in his life, uh, but that was his job. So we got the button presser of button pressers getting ready to press this button. Uh, and if anything is as powerful as a nuclear weapon, it's probably Bitcoin. So I'm about a message in the Slack and they're going to turn this thing live. And of course, I can't just say, turn it live. I have to do it in my own style. That's right. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to watch the app myself. I'm like, is this going to happen? So I just said, long Bitcoin, short the bankers, press it live. Let's see this thing uh, go. And then I'm going to actually turn the coin mine that we have sitting here on the table, and I'm going to make it start mining Bitcoin once the uh, the feature is live. This thing is uh, cooler than me to look at, so I'm going to... Put it right in front of me. Let's see. Uh, let's see what the team says. While we are, they said done. So give your app an open, and uh, I have it. I now have. See that orange one right there? It says Bitcoin. So uh, you just go onto your little miner card on the front. Tap on that. Switch currencies. Bitcoin. Press and hold to confirm. Switching to Bitcoin. Bam. Status mining Bitcoin. And now we are mining Bitcoin on the coin mine. Literally sitting here. Let's see if this thing gives its little tweet. In the time that you heard us say that we were going to launch the product. Ah, There you go. You're mining Bitcoin now. The product just got launched. And we got Bitcoin's orange. And I was able to go into a mobile app and switch from mining Grin to mining Bitcoin all in less than, what, 45 seconds, 60 seconds. So it's uh, it's a pretty cool product um, on the coin mine side. Uh, What I want to spend time talking about is the ramifications for something like this um, in the world. Right. And one of the things early on that... um, got me really excited was this idea of like a freedom machine, yeah. right? 
and the, the quote-unquote freedom machine is the idea of people all around the world have uh, a job and they contribute some sort of labor and they get paid for that labor. What the wealthy or the elite are able to do is they're able to use financial resources to gather assets that work for them, right? And, and obviously, um, you know, th there's, uh, there's plenty of people who have kind of um, really explained that well. But what a coin mine does is, or any mining device, for many of these people around the world, by simply plugging into their electricity and connecting to the internet, this computer, the specialized computer, it provides an additional revenue source or an income stream for them, right? And so you can imagine if you're living in a place where, you know, the average monthly salary is $50 dollars, or, yeah. or $10 or whatever yeah. it is, if you can get your hands on a coin mine, an S9, you know, something, plug it in the wall, connect it to the network, all of a sudden, you now have a pretty serious inc uh, incremental increase in your income, right? And so walk me through how you guys are thinking about you know, this as a computing platform and, and how it can actually improve or impact the world. Yeah, love, love to talk about that stuff because that's what got us fired up about this in the first place. Uh, no matter where you are in the world, a Bitcoin is worth a Bitcoin, right? So. The awesome thing about that is for somebody in the United States, maybe $20 a month of Bitcoin isn't life changing. It will be when Bitcoin 10x is and that's actually, you know, 10 times that. Uh, but for a lot of people in the world, $20 a month of Bitcoin is a ton of Bitcoin. Uh, so in terms of freedom machine, this is what this is what you're going to be able to do with your with your coin mine. So uh, it's creating Satoshis for you now. Mm -hmm. uh, in a couple months, we're gonna launch the Bitcoin Lightning node that's already on the device. Mm -hmm. The device is already synced to the blockchain. The software is almost completely finished. Uh, we'll do an over-the-air update just like we did to launch Bitcoin mode. Uh, and you'll start automatically being able to put your Bitcoin into your Lightning node. Mm -hmm. And your Lightning node will help you grow the Lightning network, which will just help grow Bitcoin success. And that's when we're really talking about freedom, right? Because uh, now if you have your own Lightning node, you can send and receive Bitcoin with anybody in the world for free instantly. Mm -hmm. uh, other people can route their Bitcoin payments through you. You can earn fees on it. Um, another thing that we're hoping to add to it is a BTC pay server. Mm -hmm. uh, so you literally become your own bank. You could run this in your little coffee shop and accept crypto, any type of crypto payment. Mm -hmm. uh, it's completely decentralized. There's no central authority when you're dealing with that. You're just like literally running your own bank. Because what you essentially could do, so when you get a coin mine, you pull it out of the box right now, right? Pre before today, you could pick one of four cryptocurrencies to mine, right? And that was going well. Now what you can basically do is you can say, okay, I want to end up with Bitcoin, yep. and the coin mine will algorithmically mine whatever is most profitable, yep. convert it to Bitcoin, and deposit Bitcoin into your wallet. Yep. And then what you're basically saying is you're, the, the next two kind of uh, features that you'll launch are taking that Bitcoin and being able to contribute it to a lightning node that's actually in the device, yep. right? And then the BTC pay server stuff. So really what you're talking about is almost a all-in-one single box that you purchase, you pull it out of the box, and when you plug it in, you now have like a command center for a whole bunch of different functionality in the crypto right. world. Now, the part to me that's really interesting is um, if you look at Tesla, for example, one of the things that they've done that other car companies just one didn't know how to do or two refused to do was this over the air updates, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you think of Tesla as a software company mm -hmm. that they have a piece of hardware, you're driving it, but at any point they can push these updates, right? Kind of software updates. Um, same model. Same exact model for yeah, CoinMine, right? right? So the box that I have today, 
it continues to get better and better over time That's because right. you're just pushing these software updates without me having to do anything. Yeah. We have another huge one coming in a couple of weeks that's going to make the whole thing way more efficient, take less energy, all these things. So yeah, that's exactly right. We do over-the-air updates. They happen at nighttime. You don't have to do anything. You wake up the next morning. Your coin mine is more efficient. Uh, a week ago, or a couple weeks ago, we launched Grin as one of the tokens, something like almost 40% of... Uh, Coin mine switched over to Grin. Mm -hmm. Grin's price tripled in the time that we, that we launched it. Uh, we also shipped some uh, updates that made it quieter, that reduced its energy. Uh, so that's one of the cool things by controlling the whole stack, by having the operating system, uh, we can pretty much do anything with it, which is why we can launch a Bitcoin Lightning node, uh, launch a BTC Pay server. Uh, and then one of the other cool things that we're going to start doing is offering services within the app. Uh, for more things that you can do with your Bitcoin, for example. So uh, our, our plan is to start with Cred, uh, mm -hmm. which is offering you know, up in close to 10% interest on your Bitcoin right mm -hmm. now. Um, so you'll be able to open the app and say, hey, I want to put some of my Bitcoin in with Cred and earn some interest on that. Mm -hmm. uh, that can just happen completely automatically. You can put some in your Lightning node, you can put some in this service. Uh, we're talking to other folks as well, uh, Compound Finance, BlockFi, mm -hmm. uh, to figure out ways that people can essentially, and those different services have different interest rates and different you know, pros and cons to each of them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of part of this whole you know, decentralized finance world. I'll actually tell you, if you haven't tried this, I really, really recommend it. I saw the decentralized finance future uh, last week. Okay. It's, you, anybody can do it, it's super easy. And it'll pretty much blow your mind. So uh, you probably have a Coinbase wallet uh, with some Ethereum in it. Uh, download the MetaMask extension on Chrome okay. or Brave. Send a little bit of Ethereum from your Coinbase wallet to your MetaMask. You can just use the camera in there and send mm -hmm. 10 bucks. Then just navigate to compound.finance. Mm -hmm. You don't have to make an account with compound.finance. You literally click on the Ethereum page on that website and you hit supply. You then put 10 bucks of Ethereum in there and you're earning interest on that Ethereum. You never created an account with Compound Finance. Nobody in the world can stop what you just did. Mm -hmm. Compound Finance can't stop it. You put a smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain and now you're earning interest on that Ethereum and nobody in the world can stop it and it was just some taps in an app. It's like so close to being totally consumer friendly. It felt like, you know, late 90s internet where you're still doing a little bit, like, you know, like Napster and uh, uh, LimeWire where yep. it's like, yeah, maybe my mom can't quite do it yet, but it didn't take me more than five minutes to figure it out. So the, the part that you're describing that really fascinates me is this idea of like decentralizing the financial system but also taking what have previously been highly complex uh, mechanisms yep. or, or um, uh, transactions and boiling them down to clicks, right? And, and I think about this a lot in the sense of what you just described essentially is uh, an asset-backed loan, yep. right? right? Yep. Is essentially uh, one thing. Another is an interest-bearing account, yep. right? All these, all these different uh, features that you're describing. In the traditional financial world, those are products yep right in, in terms of if you go to bank of america or jp morgan or wherever then you say i would like to get a, a asset-backed loan good luck right yep. it's gonna take a lot of time good you gotta luck. turn over a lot of your information yeah. right and it'll probably be a no and yeah it'll probably be a no and it won't really be that attractive from, yeah. from an economic and your standpoint. credit will just take a hit because they did a credit inquiry on you and now you now you just have worse credit and no money yeah exactly and, and so i think that what we're starting to see is uh, in the decentralized finance world where 
all of these products from legacy banking institutions are now getting boiled down to a couple of clicks on a website, right? Um, and so obviously there's a lot of value being created there. That's in the Western world, yep. right? The part to me that becomes even more interesting is when you bring this to areas of the world where they don't have access to asset-backed loans. They don't have access to interest-bearing accounts, right? They don't actually have access to uh, banks. traditional banks and, yep. and kind of infrastructure. What we're now talking about with CoinMine is you buy a single box, you plug it in the wall, you connect it to the internet, and you have access to banking services and uh, certain income generating um, activities that previously were unavailable to you. Yep. Right. And so the the, the liquidity or, or that um, you know kind of that that newfound freedom and power, it's not even that you or I know what people are going to do with it. Right. It's almost like you're just giving them tools, and then they're going to do amazing creative things with it that will surprise probably both of us. I mean, Bitcoin is the <clears throat> Bitcoin is 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 the coin, right? And a lot of people don't talk about this, but I think maybe the reason it will become uh, the winner is it's really rare when something solves the problems for poor people and rich people. Mm -hmm. uh, and Bitcoin does this. And so if you're poor, uh, you're, the little amount of money that you have is already is just being debased with every second. It's getting less and less and less. You don't have much to begin with. Yep. And you don't have very many options to do things with whatever you know, money you do have in terms of accessing financial instruments that rich people can. Uh, if you're a rich person, uh, you have literal problems like, oh, I'm trying to move $30 million from this account in this country to this account in this country. Uh, and I talk to people who are doing this in the traditional finance world, and it's actually an enormous pain in the butt. Most people who aren't you know, busily moving tens of millions of dollars around the world don't realize this but it can take weeks it can take hundreds of thousands of dollars it can take six different people who need to go to a bank and write a wet signature and notarize something mm -hmm. um, and what earlier this year somebody sent like 45 million dollars of Bitcoin or something for like four dollars mm -hmm. in ten minutes yep uh, so Bitcoin solves the problem for rich people Bitcoin solves the problem for poor people uh, and then when you start adding uh, things like lightning and you're really taking Bitcoin and putting it on an infrastructure that makes it, you know, even more scalable, more liquid, more accessible to people, uh, you, you essentially end up, like you said, with a completely decentralized finance world where everyone has access to the exact same financial instruments and the same deal that Warren Buffett gets you get. Mm -hmm. and, and part of this, too, is um, there's the infrastructure and products that are built around Bitcoin, and then there's Bitcoin itself, right? Yep. And so what you just described is uh, sending Bitcoin back and forth on the, on the blockchain, um, but also Bitcoin as an asset, forget the transaction, just as an asset without inflation, without the ability for somebody to manipulate the currency, right? You know, right now, look, we're, we're in the middle of uh, trade wars being played out on Twitter, right? We've got everyone from the ECB to the Federal Reserve, they're all um, manipulating the economy, right? They're manipulating the currencies. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tweeted recently and I said, uh, remember, the word stimulus is just a marketing term for we are going to manipulate the economy or we are going to manipulate the currency, yep. right? Now, there are certain arguments that I think have validity in terms of why somebody would want to do that, but I think in the grand scheme of things, the ability for uh, humans to manipulate something that other people's wealth is based on becomes a really, really scary thing. And we've seen that play out. Yeah, you can't give somebody that power and then ask them not to do it. It's just, it's just literally Im Im impossible, you know. Uh, I like to say, uh, uh, 
you can have software can be an open source protocol, but people can't be an open source protocol. Mm -hmm. People are closed. They hide information from each other. They play information asymmetry games with each other, uh, and they use that to their advantage and to someone else's disadvantage. Uh, open source protocols, open blockchains like Bitcoin can't do that. Uh, so it's just a level playing field by default. I actually think that um, governments are going to love not having to be in charge of the monetary world anymore. It's going to happen eventually. It's certainly, there's plenty of advantages being able to print money whenever you want. Uh, but it's, it, it's sort of like being a, you know, uh, a former crack addict and you just have crack everywhere in your house all the time and you can't get it out. I mean, that's essentially what the government is. They, they are addicted to spending money and then you're simultaneously giving that same group the ability to print as much money as it wants to and then asking them, please don't do that. It's just insane. It, that's just not how human incentive structures work. You give someone the ability to spend as much money as they want and print as much money as they want, they'll do both. Uh, so Bitcoin actually makes it better for governments. They don't have to... Uh, they can behave properly and and get away with it instead of listening to their constituents say like print more money and give it to us mm -hmm. uh, they can just be like well you know the world is running on bitcoin and these are the rules so this is how much money we have to spend this is why so many people who are pro bitcoin want to see the government shrink because in their head is like i think you know people have said like has there ever been a single year where the government has shrunk mm -hmm. and i don't the answer was like, well, no. and, and part of you know what I think has brought a lot of this to the forefront around Bitcoin specifically is um, Libra, so Facebook's new cryptocurrency, yeah. right? And, and uh, I want to talk about this for a second because um, it is fascinating to me that uh, we've only heard, as far as I am aware, in the United States, we've heard one lawmaker call for the banning of yeah. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, right? Brad Sherman in, in California, yeah. um, but for the most part, uh, I think. Lawmakers are aware of it, right? Government officials are aware of it, uh, but they really don't mess with it, right? In terms of, hey, it's not a security, it's, it's this currency and commodity, so like, let's just kind of leave it there. The Bitcoiners are going to do their thing, right? But but there's no kind of uh, visceral reaction yet yeah. to, to Bitcoin. Um, when Libra was announced, you immediately saw the, you know, I think it was the deputy finance minister in France freak out. Then yeah. you saw a, a German official in the uh, European Parliament. Then you had in the U.S. Uh, Maxine Waters ha has kind of got taken it the farthest, calling for a halt of the development. And yesterday she gave an interview on CNBC that just blew my mind. She said they can't run to Switzerland and compete with the dollar. And what it made me think about is... Yeah, they can. Well, one, they can. You may not want them to, yeah. right? And because the participants in the association are regulated and yep. they want to be good-standing companies in these environments, they are likely to... Uh, they are more likely to cave to political pressure, right? So, so the government will have some kind of influence here uh, and some kind of regulation. But the part that blew my mind was the competition of money, right? Governments for a long, long time have done everything possible to keep a monopoly on money, yeah. right? And so in the U.S., the U.S. dollar, they do not want anything to compete with that dollar, and they've done a great job of it. Now what you're seeing is it's kind of like the intranet versus the internet, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the, the U.S. government is just an intranet. It's an internal... The, they, they look internal to themselves and they control the U.S. dollar. Yep. People outside of the U.S. use it, yep. 
But it, it but is it a very centralized intranet. Yeah, type you have thing. access to our intranet basically. And so now, all of a sudden, what we're seeing when it comes to money is take Libra, which is a step towards Bitcoin. Libra saying, wait, we want more of an internet like ability, right? We're going to go get a geographically diverse group of corporations around the world to come together and we're going to govern a new type of currency that we are going to incentivize people to use, right? So it's a more of an internet type approach. Yep. Bitcoin is the ultimate internet approach, yep. right? Where it is fully decentralized, yep. it is uncontrolled, no one can stop it, etc. We know from history the internet beats the intranet approach. Yeah. Right? They're scared. Yep. They're totally scared. I mean, actually, I'm not sure if they're scared. I'm not sure if they're I'm not sure if they understand it enough to be scared. If they okay. really understood it, I think they probably would be scared. Um, or they would just give in now, capitulate immediately. Uh, I don't think they truly understand it. And this this goes to all the hardcore sovereign individual stuff that I know we've we've talked about a ton of times. And sovereign individuality applies to like actual individuals, uh, but it also applies to organizations. So what you're seeing Facebook do is essentially assert its sovereign individuality. Mm -hmm. um, and if you've read The Sovereign Individual, if you haven't, I've, I highly recommend it. It predicts everything that's going on today. They literally predicted cryptocurrency in 1998, mm -hmm. down to almost a T describing how it's going to work, how it's all going to be based on cryptography. Um, the reason, you, you know, people are vying for economic dominance is because economic dominance gives you military dominance. Mm -hmm. uh, the world structures itself based around the economics of violence of that time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we live in a world of mega nation states because the economics of violence accrue to mega nation states. The bigger your tax base is, the more money you can have, the bigger the military you have, the more you control the world mm -hmm. because violence controls the world. Uh, what Bitcoin and cryptography say essentially is we can replace violence with security. Mm -hmm. uh, no amount of violence can solve a math problem. Mm -hmm. Every nuclear bomb in the world can be exploded and you cannot factor a large prime number from doing that. Uh, so, I always talk about Bitcoin as a nonviolent weapon of the people. Yep. That when it falls in the hands of the opponent or, or the wrong hands, it can't be used back against the people. Right? That's right. If you think of a gun, if somebody has a gun and they're shooting at somebody... And then all of a sudden that other person get, grabs the gun, they can turn and shoot back at, yeah. the, at the original person, yeah. right? With Bitcoin, it is a way for individuals to, quote unquote, fight back or, or provide resistance, right, to um, some of the things that we all know Bitcoin is currently doing. But if all of a sudden government started buying up Bitcoin, it actually would not hurt Bitcoin. It would help Bitcoin. That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, Bitcoin is open source. Um, open source, I think, started... Uh, long time ago, but sort of full-heartedly in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and there was a famous uh, open source lawyer uh, who said this about open source, because in the 70s and 80s, all the you know, Fortune 500 companies made fun of open source. Uh, they're like, you know, we're a so-and-so company, we write our own software. Now they all run on open source. Um, and what this guy said, which was really prescient, was basically open source is a practical revolution. That's why it wins. Mm -hmm. The reason all these Fortune 500 companies laughed at it and then started using it is because it's a practical revolution. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say the same thing about Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin is not a violent revolution, thank thankfully. Uh, Bitcoin is not a populist revolution. It doesn't need everyone to fill the streets and protest for it. Um, 
Bitcoin's a practical revolution. The reason it's going to win is it's just practically better than the alternative. I tweeted this survey um, a few weeks ago, and it was basically like, uh, you have to put all of your money into USD or Bitcoin today, and you can't touch any of it for 20 years. Which one do you pick? 75% of people pick Bitcoin. Of course. I mean... That's, that's, that's the only question you have to ask. People, it's just a practical revolution. It's going to win because it's just better than the alternative. Uh, and, Libra's and trying better, to do the same thing. Well, it's better mathematically. You yep. can actually prove yep. that it is better. And you can't crack it. You can't, there's not, you know, the U.S. government couldn't attack the, you know, the blockchain. You could do a cartel of different groups that attack the Bitcoin blockchain, but there's a really strong incentive not to do that because you'll have to burn millions or tens of millions of dollars in an attempt to attack it. And if, even if it works, all you're going to end up doing is essentially completely devaluing this thing that you spent tens of millions of dollars trying to attack. And just attacking it doesn't even really guarantee that the chain is going to end up on your, you know, version that you tried to mess with, right? So there's, it's, there's a strong negative incentive for even people to cartelize, I don't know if that's a word, um, to attack Bitcoin. So that's, that's its, you know, most important feature. It's security. Everything, uh, or, or rather I say, everything, everything comes down to trust, right? We, people talk about it being a, a trustless system. I, I like how uh, Balaji Srinivasan puts it. Um, crypto and Bitcoin are not necessarily about trusting no one. It's about having choice around who you trust. So now... Everyone has to, you know, and, and someone else said, said this, and I love it too. It's like, if Bitcoin only gets everyone to change their behavior, it still wins. Mm -hmm. If Bitcoin gets every government to adopt a model that is literally exactly the same as Bitcoin, Bitcoin wins. In fact, I basically call every other crypto just a version of Bitcoin, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It might have some bell or whistle that somebody thinks is important to try to add to Bitcoin. They're all versions of Bitcoin. And because all of this is just automating the financial world, everything can resolve back to Bitcoin. Yep. And if there's a reason to do that, it's because its computational network is the most secured. It's most difficult to, it's got the most computation behind it. Mm -hmm. So I think Bitcoin wins because it's a practical revolution. I think Libra has a, is actually trying to do something similar um, and, and address like a, a different issue. Obviously, it's more centralized than Bitcoin, but they want something like a hundred different organizations mm -hmm. to be a part of it. Uh, it's probably more decentralized than, than the U.S. government's monetary policy, where like three people get to decide how the whole world's economy trends. Look, look I, I, I continue to say that uh, I think... Um Libra specifically the currency is a net positive for crypto as an industry and also for Bitcoin um, I wrote this thing this past week uh, called the token density theory which essentially uh, it's like the restaurant intersection problem right mm -hmm. so when you have one restaurant at the intersection and all of a sudden a competitor moves in across the street everyone's like oh man they're gonna steal business from the first company right, right? actually both of them go up yeah right you, get you more got a third a fourth a fifth area. a sixth restaurant to that intersection it becomes a food court the, yep the density of it all of a sudden then drives yeah. everyone's foot traffic up same thing in the token world right so each legitimate token that gets introduced and um is uh desirable to some portion of the population actually strengthens the crypto industry right and so everyone benefits from that and, and it brings me to this idea of um there's two options right i don't think that one has to replace the other as much as it is right now we're just faced with two options you can participate in an inflationary human-led financial system yep right or choice. you can participate in a deflationary yep. 
algorithm-led yep. financial system. Now you have that choice. It does not surprise me or you, I think, that there is a very, very controversial split between people as to which one they participate in. Mm-hmm. And it happens to be people who are younger, right, who are a little bit more uh, open-minded, a little bit more globalist, who are more familiar with technology, grew up with smartphones in their hand. They're slowly choosing to participate in the deflationary algorithmic financial system. That's going to accelerate over time. Right, yeah. it's just it's just a macro trend that I don't think anyone's going to stop. I agree. I mean, I think uh, I think in if I if I was going to make a prediction, I think at some point Libra, either Bitcoin becomes one of the reserve currencies that's backing Libra, or Bitcoin becomes a global currency uh, that you know seven billion people use, maybe a billion and a half or so unbanked people start using Facebook, and it still resolves back to the Bitcoin blockchain. Facebook and those hundred consortiums cannot build a computation network as big and powerful as Bitcoin's because it costs like insane amounts of money to fund the Bitcoin network and, and they're not going to pour that money into that amount of computation. Mm-hmm. So I think even in a world where a billion and a half people are using Libra, I think Bitcoin is still the currency that you resolve back to. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the global reserve currency in, the, right. in the algorithm. And it's world. all programmatic, so it's not like it's a it's not a pain for people to resolve back to the Bitcoin blockchain. It's just like the developer in a couple of weeks and and it's done. It's not like for the rest of eternity people are shuffling bags of money all over yep. the world. So I want to talk about one more thing around uh, Facebook and Libra, and then we'll go back to the CoinMine products. There's some people who are uh, oh, sending in questions. questions to you. Um, but the they just want to know if you're going to run the, for president. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they all uh, constantly just write in and say pomp for president, which uh, cracks me up. Um, but so one of the things around Facebook and Libra is I actually don't think that the currency is the most important thing out of everything they announced. To me, it is Calibra, which is the wallet, mm. right? And, and I have this theory that that wallet as a digital identity, right? So Facebook has your identity on the internet. It's had your identity on the internet for a long time. They were, you know, Whether the you're innovators on Facebook there. or not, they have your identity. Yes. Well, and also they used it as single sign-on, yep. you know, all this stuff, right? So it was your it was your identity on the internet for a long time in, very, in a various uh, number of use cases. By giving everyone a digital wallet, and that wallet, again, all, you know, and this is a, a very kind of watered-down version of, of the truth, but the digital wallet just supports computer files. Right, you can put computer files in there. Yep. And those computer files can represent data, yep. stocks, bonds, currencies, yep. commodities, whatever. It's all data. Yeah. And, and the reason why it's important is, imagine if you have one central product where you hold all of your financial assets, stocks, bonds, currencies, and commodities, but then you also hold your quote unquote data, your healthcare data, your health, uh, your um, all, all of like your internet data that you create, any sort of content you produce, right. all of that's held in one single location because it's all valuable, yeah. right? Some you of it is monetize. financial assets, some of it is something that you can permission and sell and, mm-hmm. and, and um, give to people. If they are successful in giving this digital wallet and they add support for not only other cryptocurrencies, but, but kind of all financial assets and all sorts of data, Facebook will have created a product that becomes your new digital identity, right? Right, Because it is the single location where you do all of your transactions from, right? Right. And so to me, um, there's a parallel here where what you're essentially giving folks with CoinMine is you're giving them a bank in a box, right, to some degree. What Facebook's doing with the digital wallet is they're giving them an identity, right, or or a A software-based bank in, in, uh, in this wallet. 
you're giving them a physical bank yep. in, in a box. Um, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about uh, ROI because there's a bunch of people yeah. writing in about oh, ROI. Yeah? Okay, great. Um, so a couple of things. One, describe how you think about ROI and the framework you use in terms of like when does this become valuable yeah. and, and who are the types of people who should look at buying yeah. CoinMine? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, powering crypto networks from home or anything but like super large scale industrial operations, right? So you have, you have three groups of people. You have the people doing it at home and a very small scale. Then you have people who are doing it like these like mini farms. Maybe they got like a couple hundred GPUs and, you know, a couple dozen ASICs or something. And then you have these massive industrial setups, right? Um, Regardless of which one you do, you have basically a few options. Uh, you can go full DIY, where you build the computer, you install all the software, you just do everything yourself. Mm -hmm. You can sort of go semi-DIY, where you, you know, buy these pre-built mining rigs and they, you know, on eBay and Etsy, uh, and so the hardware is kind of put together, but you got to handle the software, install the operating systems, and just keep things updated indefinitely. Uh, and then you have plug-and-play, where you spend absolutely zero time whatsoever <laughs> You only spend money. Mm -hmm. um, and the way we think about it is one way or another, you have to spend time or money. In fact, we actually talk about them the same way. You spend both of them. Mm -hmm. So um, if you don't, there's lots of great resources for full DIY and semi-DIY stuff. So like uh, Hashrate uh, is, is a good site. Uh, crypt, uh, crypto Christopher Walken, uh, not so fast. These guys are all awesome resources for people who want to go full DIY or semi-DIY. Uh, there was never any option for people who wanted plug and play. Mm -hmm. For people who would you know, rather spend their money than their time. So if you think about the amount of time that it takes to build a device like a coin mine, um, and even if you're working at $20 an hour, I don't think you can build a device for less than the coin mine costs you to buy mm -hmm. because you spend zero time on the coin mine. So if you're a, you know, an Uber driver, uh, you may be better off going and just doing another you know, eight-hour shift and making some money and buying a coin mine if you don't want to learn how to build a computer, build the computer, maintain the computer, update the software. When lightning comes out, now you're like, oh, so now I need some more hardware to build myself a lightning node, and I got to start doing all this lightning software development. Um, you can totally do that. It's all open source. You can learn to do it. It just takes time. Mm -hmm. uh, so for some people, they'd rather spend money than time. Uh, and we think, you know, we want more people providing hash power to crypto. Uh, there's great resources for full DIY and semi-DIY. Uh, and now there's a plug-and-play option as well. So the ROI, you just have to make sure you're taking your time into consideration when you're sort of calculating the ROI. Because I don't think you can actually make something cheaper than a coin mine. Yeah, and, and so I think there's two pieces here. One is uh, if you want to participate in mining, yeah. right, and contributing hash power to or hash rate to the, uh, to the network, um, buying a coin mine is the fastest way to get set up. Yeah, right? in terms no of time needed. You go to a That's website, right. you put in your payment information, yeah. you receive it, you pull it out of the box, literally less than five minutes, you're up and running, yeah. right? Um, and you never have to update the software, you don't have to add new protocols, you don't have to add a Bitcoin Lightning node, a BTC pay server, all this stuff. And, and then the other piece of this is, um, you know, I, I have all these different frameworks that I think of coin mine in, and uh, the other is it's an accumulation machine, yeah. right? Where over time, you are dollar cost averaging into your electricity, uh, Bitcoin yeah. or, or whatever. You're literally converting your electricity mm -hmm. into Bitcoin or, or uh, one of the other tokens. And what you're able to do is you're able to run this for a very, very long time, yep. right? And so I think a lot of people, when they start doing calculations, what they look at it and they say is, okay, I'm going to... Uh, let's say 20 bucks a month, right, that, yep. that you're mining. So I'm going to mine 20 bucks a month. I pay X dollars. Like, how long is it going to take? Yeah. But the thing that 
many folks who are not involved in the mining business uh, or haven't previously been miners uh, forget is the price appreciation of the asset. Yep. Right. And so if you look at just this year, if you had plugged a coin mine in at the beginning of the year when Bitcoin was around thirty five, thirty seven hundred dollars and you had been mining. Right. All of a sudden you've almost three X the value of what you mined. That's right. Right. And so that twenty dollars in the first month actually is sixty dollars. Right. And and so that continues over uh, over a period of time. Um, And and I think when you start thinking of it that way and understand a coin mine is going to run for years. Right. You're just going to leave it there converting your electricity into into crypto. um, it, It becomes really, really attractive. Yep. And then on top of that, when you put in all of the services you wrap around it, right? Again, it's just that bank in a box that you're able to participate in the algorithmic uh, financial system with a sim- one single purchase. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I mean, it just we just cut all the time out of the situation. So there's no labor cost from your perspective. You're just sort of paying for parts and everything else is going to be taken care of for you and you get all those things in, in one foul swoop. I mean, for, you know, I've been building computers since I was a kid. Uh, we started CoinMine because we started just building our own crypto miners at home and then we we're like, hey, why don't we make one that anybody can use? Uh, and, you know, Lightning wasn't even a thing when we started building them. And even, even for myself, I'm thinking if I was still just doing this at home, when Lightning came out, I'd be like, man, now I got to go build a whole, I really want this Lightning thing, now I got to go build that and maintain my miner. Uh, and that just means fewer people will do it. We think that um, when we flip the Bitcoin Lightning node uh, on later this year, uh, we think we can come close to maybe doubling the size of the Lightning Network in terms of active channels with funds in them. Because again, your coin mine will just automatically be funding your Lightning channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we'll have thousands and thousands of these out there. And right now, I think there's about 4,000, 5,000 active Lightning channels. Um, so our goal is to massively try and grow, help the Lightning Network grow and make Bitcoin more successful however we can. Somebody just said, Pomp, sharpen, we, hold on, this is hysterical. Somebody said, Pomp, sharpen your look, your voice, your communication, and your skills. Then in 10 years, run for president. So basically, Pomp, just that improve. That was Roger improve, Stone, I think. That improve said your that. life. <laughs> improve improve everything in your life. Pomp, Pomp Pre- if you were a better person, you could be the president of the United States. Did you know that? Jesus, what a way to start a Friday morning. That was Roger Stone, I'm pretty sure. He's trying uh-huh. to get you elected if he doesn't end up in, in jail here. So, so go, going back to CoinMine, um, the, the thing that is uh, interesting to me, you just described you can mine Bitcoin and then you can contribute it right to your Lightning node, right? But you don't have to do it. It's going to automatically do yeah. it. Basically, in a very user-friendly way, you'll be able to go into the mobile app. You'll just make a couple of taps on a screen, yep. and then the coin mine will take care of everything in the background, right? Yep. I, I like to call it like auto-magically, yep. right? It just feels like, how the hell did this box that I have sitting in my room actually do that. Um, Do you feel like that's part of what's missing in crypto, right? In terms of adoption, it's just like the user experience and that auto magically type uh, user experiences. I mean, it's catching up. It's, it's like, it's like all technologies. When, when the internet started, you had to be a software developer and you had to know how to use a command line to, to send an email from somebody to somebody in the 1970s. Uh, Now it's just a tap in an app. 
every type of technology, especially digital computer technology, fo follows that curve. It starts off where people are like laughing at it and being like, this is a joke, you think anybody's ever going to use this? Uh, and then a few years later, it's just an app and people forgot that that was ever, ever a thing. People used to, the New York Times used to trash the internet in the 90s and said, and literally the reporters of the New York Times, the most respected publication in the world, said it would never be bigger than the fax machine. And if you, and if you just looked at it at that time, I could see how you said that. Maybe it wasn't as good as, as the fax machine, fax machine in 1992, but if you assume it's going to get better, then you should be able to sort of watch that curve and be like, oh, wow, this is going to blow everything out of the water. I, I think Bitcoin and crypto are basically on the same curve. It's like the late 90s in crypto, uh, and in five, ten years, the whole world is just going to be running on these things. Uh, that's the main thing that's missing is just ease of use. If you haven't seen the new um, Lightning Labs Lightning Wallet, I think they just launched it like yesterday or the day mm -hmm. before. It's, it's got a super thousand, slick. It's got a couple of uh, thousand downloads already. It's super, super slick, super easy to use. It's like a consumer experience, basically. Uh, so we're, we're inching towards there. And, uh, you know, CoinMine, I think Casa did a great job of making something that was a lightning node that was pretty easy for people to use, a little bit of router work. But, you know, like I said, it was like late 90s. Uh, we're trying to, you know, get it into the iPhone era of ease of use. Mm -hmm. and, and so what do you think moving forward, like what's the most ambitious thing you could see CoinMine doing, right? Like when you look out 10, 20 years, what, what's kind oh, okay, of the, the goal or, or dream? If you want to, if you really want to go there, so uh, I mean, complete sovereign individuality, uh, a completely decentralized internet, a completely decentralized monetary system, uh, and a couple of hundred micro satellites flying around the world uh, with you know like GoTennas in here. Mm -hmm. So now you have a mesh network of computers that are even powered by satellites, mm -hmm. uh, and you have a completely sovereign information and money system. And it's all because what you're essentially doing, right, if, uh, if I let the cat out of the bag in terms of my dream for, for the company, is it's a Trojan horse to build a decentralized network of nodes That's right. and software. That's right. Right? Yeah. Because every single person who buy it is a coin mine yep. is providing one node to a network that That's is right. connected through software. And so today it is for mining. It you know, eventually will be a lightning node, all, all these things. Um, but there's a lot you can do when you have, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people around the world who have this computer inside of their home and yep. they're converting their electricity to computing power. Yep. And right. they can build a mesh network with each other. So ISPs can't stop them from sharing information. Uh, you have some low orbit satellites going. So even, you know, the, the cops can't show up and stop what you're doing because there's hundreds of satellites flying around maintaining all this data. You can already do that. I think with Blockstream, they're already, they already have a satellite that's pumping out Bitcoin lightning data. Um, so all that stuff is coming. And, you know, that's sort of our, our vision of coin mine in the future is a coin mine in every home, a mesh network around the world, satellites flying around uh, and completely decentralizing information and money. Odds, that. odds that Bitcoin can become the global reserve currency. What's that? Odds? Odds. What's the probability? 75% according to the uh, Twitter poll that I did. And I, <laughs> and I actually buy that. Yeah. I mean, I really think... It, I was actually really surprised. I had a couple other people run that survey, too, who don't have as much of a crypto following as I mm -hmm. did. They, they had 50-50. Mm -hmm. People with tens of thousands of just normal people followers. Most of them, I don't even think, really understand Bitcoin. 
and still they were saying 50-50 people put Bitcoin next to the US dollar. Imagine asking this question five years ago. I mean, if you asked it 10 years ago, the answer would literally be like, I don't know what Bitcoin is. Mm -hmm. 10 years later, it's like, oh yeah, the US dollar, the, the biggest currency in the world for the past whatever, how many decades, this thing that's done on a computer that was released by some anonymous person, yeah, I'd say they're equal to each other, <laughs> or maybe Bitcoin's actually a little bit better. That's just a crazy, crazy thing that's in the general zeitgeist. I mean, a lot of people who buy coin mines are not crypto people. About half the people who buy them are sort of crypto people. Half of them, this is like their first step into crypto. Interesting. And when we, when they email, I mean, like I said, we get lots of emails being like, when are you adding Bitcoin? How can I mine Bitcoin? Uh, does it mine Bitcoin? Can you add Bitcoin? Um, and we ask them, you know, like why they're interested and they all literally say the same thing. I know that crypto is the future. To a T, they all say that. Mm -hmm. I know that it's the future and I want to get involved. That's it. I, I talk to a lot of investors, obviously, um, on a daily basis. Uh, and when I talk to individuals outside of the finance world, right? So these are doctors, lawyers, kind of all, all kinds of uh, you know wealthy individuals um, who many of them aren't technologically savvy, right? They, they are, um, I think they're curious, but but not necessarily skilled or savvy. Uh, I get a very similar, you know, talk track from them. They say, look, it's very obvious to me that this is going to be important in the future. This is going to be something that uh, is not going to go away, right? Um, and, and I always wonder if uh, those people have better optics into the future potential of certain technologies like money um, than the people who actually work in the industry like traditional finance folks who are so ingrained in the weeds and, and they feel like, you know, every single 1% movement up or down is, is seismic and, and right. you know, can, is changing the world. But if you walk out of that hardcore finance community and realize nobody knows if gold or S&P or whatever went up 1% or down 1% today, right? They don't, they're not paying attention, but they're yeah. all paying attention to Bitcoin. But yeah. That's 100% right. So it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Um, before I wrap up, I always do uh, rapid fire questions. There we go. Most important company in crypto other than CoinMine. Most important company in crypto other than CoinMine. Uh, it's not a company, it's Bitcoin. Great answer. <laughs> uh, what do you think is your most controversial thought in what? Bitcoin or crypto? My most controversial thought, that's a really good one. Uh, I, don't, I think there's going to be a lot of cryptocurrencies. And in fact, I don't know if cryptocurrency is even the correct term for all of them. Uh, I think there are going to be a lot of token-operated networks. <clears throat> I think everything is going to end up resolving back to Bitcoin, probably, or something so similar to Bitcoin, it's essentially Bitcoin. Um, but I don't see us going to a world where there's only one single sort of cryptographically protected, decentralized, open-source blockchain protocol that people can use. What a... Before we keep going with the rapid fire questions, I'm getting berated on the live stream for discount codes. Um, we we well, knocked a hundred dollars off the price for the whole weekend. What? So just go uh, to coinmine.com. Just go to coinmine.com. It's it's six ninety nine instead of the usual seven ninety nine. Six ninety nine, a hundred bucks. What how, what percentage is that? That's a good question. That's a big number. I'm not a math. Riley, thirteen percent. Thirteen percent off. There you go, people. Thank me later. Yeah. Thanks Jason Williams, what up? At J Williams, F S T M E D, six ninety nine. 
people are now saying, blink if you think I'm sexy. Quantum, I, I, I don't blink. think, is a threat. As much as people like to talk about quantum computing completely uh, negating all cryptography, it's, it's just not really the case. Sorry. You guys on the live stream can go ahead and add in, uh, send in your questions now, and we'll, uh, we'll answer some of them as soon as uh, we stop the recording for the podcast. Um, what do you, uh, what's the one regulation you would change or improve if you could? The one regulation? Yeah. You know it. You can name it. You and I go on and on about it. I mean, it's the most, you can take all the cash you have and light it on fire. You can put, I think that's probably actually illegal to do technically, but you can do basically the same thing and go put it all on, you know, on, you know, on black at the roulette wheel, or you can go buy lottery tickets with all the money you have in the world, but you cannot give one red cent to a company and invest in it unless you're already rich. It's crazy. And that is the most un-American thing humanly imaginable. Uh, and you can, you can couch it in as much of, you know, we're protecting people as possible, but then why can I put my entire net worth into a lottery? Uh, but I can't put it into an early stage company. I mean, one of the things that crypto, like, crypto is crazy and Bitcoin is, Bitcoin did so many things at once, people can't get their heads wrapped around it. And one of the things that it did is essentially create a new type of fundraising model. And so these companies, they get into a situation where like, in a lot of situations, they're actually just doing their cryptocurrency so that they can fundraise, but then they have to kind of talk about it as though it's actually gonna be a currency, but that's not really how they were using it. They were using mm -hmm. it to fundraise for their protocol, for their project, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. um, it should be, like, they basically had to do that because these security laws exist, because mm -hmm. they can't uh, go on Twitter and say, hey, I'm starting a project and you can invest in it uh, and you can send me a dollar to do it. Mm -hmm. That's all illegal to do. And so people have kind of like worked around it with crypto. Uh, and it's because that's the worst regulation imaginable. We could unleash an unbelievable amount of like economic entrepreneurship and innovation if everyone was allowed to invest in whatever they wanted to. Freedom. We, we're going to get them changed. Yeah, we're going to get changed. I mean, SEC commissioner came out recently and said they're looking at it. <clears throat> I don't know if that means it'll get changed soon, but they're, there's just no way that it can... Uh, it can stay. Yeah, I mean, my brother and Naval and AngelList ha actually did, did a lot to already move the needle on mm -hmm. this with the Jobs Act and, and, and making it so that things like Republic can exist and, and stuff like that. So it's happening. Yeah, I think so. Uh, most important book you've ever read? Uh, Sovereign Individual or The Tao of Pooh. Who wrote The Sovereign Individual? Sovereign Individual is written by two guys, Sir, Sir Something Something and uh, James Dale Davidson, I, I think. Uh, they actually wrote Blood in the Street, I think, in the 80s or 90s. And then they wrote uh, Sovereign Individual in 1998. Uh, they predicted cryptocurrency. Uh, they predicted, you know, what the microprocessor has done to the world. They essentially predicted, uh, you know, Facebook and all these, uh, you know, new sovereign organizations that exist. Uh, Sadly, they predicted Osama bin Laden three years before 9-11. Really? Yeah. Crazy. I actually haven't read it. I need to read it. It's, your you're, you're your like mind the, will be split You're like the 900th forever. person who's told me to read it. Yeah. So this weekend, that, that's what I'm, I'm just going to sit yeah, down and read it's, it. Yeah, it's a must read. Got to do it. All right. Uh, aliens. Believer? Non-believer? Um, it would be really sad if aliens didn't exist in, in the world, man. That would be the saddest thing in the world. And it would be even sadder if they didn't have pets. So you think that they have pets? They definitely have pets. I don't see a world where they can't have pets. They might not look like dogs and cats and stuff, but yeah. they gotta have pets. Yeah, of course. I mean, if they're social, they have pets. That's where this all started. Yeah, that's right. It, is, it literally started with, uh, do aliens have pets? And, uh... 
pe- people were blown away. They'd never thought about that before. <laughs> it's a great question, <laughs> right? Like to to me, it's it might be one of the most important questions of uh, our entire life. We're, but just except so, for what's the current price when, of Bitcoin? <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the price of Bitcoin now because people are uh, going crazy in the live stream and Bitcoin is at $9,900 at the moment and uh, does not seem to uh, to want to stop until it hits 10K. Are so aliens mining Bitcoin? See, That's a good question too. Actually, you know what? Uh, as I know whoever said that was, uh, was joking around, but um, I read something recently about the scarcity of gold. And it basically was talking about gold and other precious metals, how much of it is available in asteroids. And mm. the idea that there, don't hold me exactly this, but if I remember it correctly, it's there's more gold on some of these asteroids than all of the gold we've ever produced on Earth. Mm. And so gold actually isn't as scarce as we think it is, Yeah, was basically the argument. I can get into this. Okay, all right, so go. G- gold is actually universally scarce. Why? So to make gold, the most insane amount of work has happened. Gold is actually proof of work. So this is what has to happen to get gold. Uh, two stars have to supernova. So they, two stars have to live for billions of years, uh, and they have to be so massive that when they die, they supernova. And what com- is that? Supernova is when uh, a star starts dying, um, and all of its mass starts slowly collapsing on the center, and there's so much mass that when it kind of all hits together, it explodes back out. Sometimes when supernovas happen, you get left with what's called a neutron star. Okay? And a neutron star is a star that's made only out of neutrons. There are no protons or electrons in this matter at all. It's so dense that a tablespoon of a neutron star weighs about the same as like a million cars. And then these two neutron stars have to crash into each other in space, and they'll make gold. That's the only way gold gets made. Two supernovas, then two neutron stars, and they somehow find each other, smash into each other, and that's the only way you get gold in the universe. It's universally rare, and it requires requires an insane amount of work to make it. But more can get created when there's two supernovas. Yeah. That's the only way gold has ever been created in the entire universe. That definition of supernova just got me yeah, pumped. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's right. for a Friday. <laughs> I don't even. Know, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know what I just read. That's pretty dramatic for Wikipedia too. So you know, you know, it's legit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, folks are asking about the drop gold campaign. What uh, What do you think about this from Grayscale? Basically, convincing all of the gold investors to uh, drop gold and buy Bitcoin instead. I mean, have gold, have Bitcoin, but have more Bitcoin than gold. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, Bitcoin is the scarcer asset, right? Yeah, that's right. What um, what one question do you have for me to finish this up before we take some questions from the live stream? Do you uh, do you think aliens have pets? Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I, I'm actually. Uh, How long have you thought this? So all right, I've never admitted this on the podcast or on any of these live streams, but uh, I actually believe that we have likely come in contact with some form of true spaceship or uh, alien life. My guess is if I had to put probability, we're over 50% probability we came in contact we think there's something weird, but we don't know what it is yet. So like, like we're not cognizant of the fact we came in contact. Mm. We know that we experienced something that was weird, mm. but 
just haven't yet identified, oh, wait, that was an alien or, oh, wait, that was a spaceship type yeah. thing, right? So, so that, that's one. The second thing is I would put the probability at, I don't know, 25 30% that we've actually come in, con- like, uh, unilaterally come in contact where, like, we've identified that there is some life form somewhere. There was some, you know, whatever – they didn't see us, but we see them um, type situation. Uh, and it is held in all of these classified documents. Um, and I'm not talking about like, oh, we have a telescope that like saw a bunch of slimy, you know, oval headed like aliens oh, cool. building like an ant hill, you know, like, like yeah. an ant dynasty type thing. I'm talking more about um, we now like we're seeing things up from a scientific standpoint, like, oh, wait. Does Mars actually have water on it? Yeah, it does. Right? Oh, wait. Is that a climate? You know, does that planet have a climate that mimics Earth's? Right. right? So, so we're, we're getting closer and closer publicly knowing yep. some of this stuff. My guess is that there is likely to be a belief or an understanding in kind of the, the you know, kind of most closed door communities that there's some sort of life elsewhere then the question becomes is it sentient or not right and that's the part i probably have less confidence in Mm -hmm. but just the the ability for life to exist somewhere else right i'm probably at like a you know a a pretty material number probability that just life at all life at all and we know about it no just that it oh that exists 99.9 percent. what about that we know about it that we know about it over 50. Yeah? Yeah. Do you think life on Earth started on Earth? What do you mean? Like, what would be a theory as to how it didn't? That it came, you know, life arrived on an asteroid? Oh, that, like, humans showed up from that somewhere all else. life on Earth started with the individual, like, a single... So, like a, like a tardigrade, you know, tardigrades are those, like, little microscopic, mm-hmm. weird-looking things. Yep. Those things can survive in space. Interesting. They can literally survive... The radiation of space, the vacuum of space, the, the cold of space, um, and then they can come back to life. I never thought about this before. So do you think life on Earth started on Earth, or did it come from somewhere else? My guess would be that it was a combination. Hmm. That, light, like like, that, li- that life is uh, both, there were certain, you know, atoms and, and uh, particles and stuff and here amino on, acids on Earth. and stuff floating yeah. around. Like yeah. that, were, that were here on Earth. Yeah. And then there's also probably some stuff from mm. off of Earth. Yeah. And it all kind of got mixed up together. And somehow you and I are sitting here talking into these stupid microphones, pontificating about how life became, right? But, but to me it is um, – it's actually the thing that I share with uh, a lot of like – college students probably are like the ones so like all these kids will like dm me on twitter and stuff right and they're like hey man like i'm trying to figure out what i want to do you know whatever that's and cool it, it's cool uh i probably take it more seriously than i should mm. because i only respond when i feel like i've got something good to say yeah. Yeah. right oh uh, i think that's the right call yeah like, like i don't i don't want to just... take what you say seriously that's and what I'm you're not of. being serious yeah. about it and you're just popping off some random thing and this guy's changing his life based on something you just yeah like if you know. i was like oh you should go 100 percent into crypto yeah. like i don't know who you are you know like i have no yeah. context i have no information um but the one thing that when i 
talk to somebody, and it's usually not in the first conversation, but you know, if I talk to somebody two, three times, either over email or on the phone, uh, I always describe to them this feeling that I've had around, um, if you think about something like, right now there's two galaxies colliding, mm-hmm. right? And then our galaxy is supposed to collide with another one in four billion years. Right. Like, man, we don't matter. No. Right? Yeah. And so if we don't matter, make yeah. the most of it. That's right. And, and to me, it's like, there's too many people who are trying to optimize for like the things that they think matter, when at the end of the day, uh, we matter so little, right, in, in the grand scheme of things that I, talking about space and aliens and all this stuff, like it just kind of reminds you it, it's not nearly as serious, right, the, the problems that we have. Um, and, and so I think that's where, like, I, I just keep going back to, it. like, yes, there's probably life elsewhere. Yes, we do not fully understand what is going on. Uh, there's over a thousand fucking planets like, when did that happen? I, I continue to say this. We, we had oh, nine. Oh, we know of? Yeah. We yeah. had nine planets yeah, when I was right. in you know, elementary school. Yeah. And Pluto was one. No, you're right. In your lifetime, we basically found like another thousand-something planets and some M-class planets like Earth, 100%. That's why my motto in life is make noise, cause trouble. <laughs> make noise, cause trouble. Because, I mean, I will be quiet and respectful for 99.9% of the entire existence of the universe, I was not alive, and for the rest of it, I won't be alive later. So I'm alive for this like really, really brief moment. So you know, make as much noise and cause as much trouble as you can uh, while it. you're here. I love it. Like All Satoshi. right, listen, I appreciate you, uh, you taking the time to do this podcast. Uh, people can go find the CoinMine at CoinMine.com. CoinMine.com. You can download the app. We'll, um, we're going to be putting some Satoshis in people's uh, Bitcoin wallets in the app, uh, whether or not you have a CoinMine. Awesome. So go, uh, go, go buy CoinMines, go download the app, and then uh, we'll take some questions from the uh, live stream. All right. Appreciate it so much, guys. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to that podcast. Before I let you go, one more word from our sponsor, BlockFi. Their new interest account allows you to securely deposit your Bitcoin or Ether at BlockFi and receive 6% annual interest paid monthly in cryptocurrency. This rate actually compounds, so you receive a 6.2% APY, which is very attractive given the alternatives. So you can actually take your Bitcoin, you can deposit it with BlockFi, and get paid an interest rate of 6% in return. Go check out BlockFi.com POMP. Again, BlockFi.com POMP to sign up and start earning interest on your crypto today. Hey everyone, Pop here. If you like this episode of Off The Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off The Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off The Chain.